All right, good morning, everybody. I'm just going to move this a little bit this way because this is how I imagined it. (laughs) Um, My name is Vanessa, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, I am the current youth leader here at the Grace Place. You know, I tell people that choosing Jesus is the greatest adventure you'll ever take. Now, there are some exceptions to the rule, but I will tell you youth is not one of them. It does, though, feel like I'm a professional roller coaster rider because (laughs) you get on the ride and sometimes it just feels like you're about to crash into the wall and then before you know it, there's another dip that takes you somewhere else and you just don't know where you're going to land up. But I'm going to tell you at the end of it, it is pure joy. (laughs) So in the middle, there is a lot of crying and screaming, though. (laughs) Um, So today I am going to be speaking about the unforgiving servant. That's the parable I'll be talking about. And so as I was praying this week, I was like, Lord, what can I say? You know, what can bring a fresh word, you know? And I know I've talked about this subject a lot, and and I just really felt the Holy Spirit kind of come upon me, and it's like, it's really not about you. It's about what everyone decides to receive. And it's not just the information that we know, but do we really know? Um, And this is where I feel like sometimes the English language fails us, um, in Spanish, we, there's two words. There's saber and then there's conocer. Saber means to know, like you know a fact, like how many feet are in a mile. And then conocer is like that I know a person or a place, like a vacation spot or something. So it's something that you know a little bit more intimately. Well, then there's actually a Greek word called gnosko, which means to personally, intimately, and experientially know something. And so that has been my prayer, that... Not only do we just know something, you know, as a fact, but that maybe this week, whatever God has for you, because I believe God has a word for every one of you this morning, that we know it just a little bit more intimately, or even to the point of that gnosko level, where it's like it is tattooed upon your heart. So that way, every time your heart beats, your blood flows in that rhythm of that word, that promise. So that way, as it flows through your feet, it takes you to the acts and works of God, that your hands will do the acts and works of God that he's called you to, and that your words will speak life. So that's been my prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Lord, I thank you for loving us. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have come here to meet people today exactly where they're at, and that you have a word for every one of us. Holy Spirit, Lord, I just pray that you open up our minds, our ears, and our hearts, Lord, to be able to receive what you have. But, Lord, not that we just take it in and say that's a good thing, that's, that makes sense, but that it's something that we can take and live out and do what you called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So normally when someone comes up and tells a story about someone who's probably in the room, which I think I might be benefit, uh, the person's actually not here right now at the moment, they usually say, I'm going to change the names to protect the innocent. I'm keeping the names the same to shame the guilty. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The only one who comes out bad in this story is me. You will totally see why. And I would also dislike to say this was 10 years ago. So hopefully there's been some growth in me since then. So I would say it was probably about... Mm, summer of 2011, uh, 
at the time I was living in Las Vegas, and uh, Michelle and all of them, your pastors, they were living here. And I was talking to Michelle on the phone, and so she was just updating me on the kids. And she was telling me about Amanda. So Amanda had already graduated high school at this point, and uh, she had made a new friend, and she was doing different adventures and uh, different things. And so I felt very excited for her. And then she said, yeah. So for New Year's, Amanda and her friend are thinking of going to Times Square. And before she could even really put the period to that sentence, I just said, no. And she started to laugh at me because she's the mom. And how am I telling her, no, your daughter cannot do this? And I didn't think that was funny. <laughs> and I probably said no about three more times. And, she's, and I was like, who does she know there? You know, like, I, and me personally, I'm thinking, like, I don't know her friend. Is her friend a moron? Like, if something happens, will they run to the excitement? Or if something happens, will they just leave her in the dust? Like, she needs someone to take care of her, okay? And I was like, send her to me. I, and again, I was living in Las Vegas. And this Las Vegas definitely knows how to celebrate New Year's, okay? Uh, but I know I would be there, and I would have a crew of friends, and we would be able to, to watch over her. And she just kind of ended the conversation with, well, it's just an idea. Okay, so... Um, I probably closer towards the end of the year and I get a call and she tells me like hey Amanda wants to know if it's okay if she comes to you for New Year's and I go yes send her and then probably the next week she asked me if her friend Mariah from high school could come along with her too and I go yeah send them both I got it taken care of so I'm gonna give you a detailed account as much as my memory will give me um, so they arrived on December 30th and I was working that morning and so I had my friend Aaliyah pick them up from the airport. I had one gift card. So I was like, here, take them to the stratosphere, have a beautiful lunch where you can see the whole view of the city as it does the 360. And they went and did touristy things afterwards. Then once I got off of work, we went to a restaurant to have uh, dinner with my friends because it was my friend Osiris's birthday. Now, my friend Osiris, she was nine months pregnant at the time. And we all had been praying that the baby would be born before the new year so that way they could get the tax credit. And, <laughs> and so um, at the end of the dinner, her, my friend's husband, Stephen, he landed up picking up the bill for all of us. And I take the girls and we go get groceries so that we have food for the week at the time that they're there. And then the next day is the 31st. So we get up and we start to drive around the area where we used to live. And so touring and then Amanda's like, I want to go to this restaurant but I can't remember the name. And I was like, yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about, but I don't know where it's at. And so that took us a little while to get to that place. And we finally found it. Now this place was known for its garlic knot. So we get there, we're so excited and it's closed. So <laughs> they were closed for New Year, but they were gonna be open the next day. So it's like, all right, honey, we'll come back and, and we'll do this tomorrow. So we find something quick. And then the girls decide like that they needed to go shopping to make sure that they had the best outfits for New Year's. So of course the only mall we can go to is Fashion Show Mall, which is on the Las Vegas Strip. It is called Fashion Show Mall because in the middle of the mall, there's actually a runway that will rise up and people will do an actual fashion show. And so we're talking about like one of the busiest places uh, at that, um, that time. And so a few hours later, many dr dressing rooms later, the girls finally realized that the outfits they brought were the best outfits for this to celebrate the new year. <laughs> so we go home, we're getting ready, and then uh, we head over to church because we had Saturday night service. And you know what? We went to church because what better way to spend the last day of the year other than the Lord's house? 
and also that way we didn't have to get up early after being out so late. <laughs> Two things can be true, okay, guys? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so we go to church, and then I take them to this park that's kind of right around there, and I think it's one of the most beautiful spots in Las Vegas because it's up high, but you have this beautiful view of the Strip and all the lights, and if you've ever flown into Las Vegas at night, uh, you know, it's just such a beautiful sight. And um, so we hang out there for a little bit, then we start getting the calls. And so uh, me and my friends, we organize a plan. We get down to the Las Vegas Strip, and we have an exit plan and what we're going to do in case we get separated. Because for the most part, they, they block down the, the Las Vegas Strip, and so no cars can be there. And it's pretty calm for like New Year's. You know, there's a flow and traffic. But after the fireworks hit, that's when it gets hectic because all of a sudden, everyone wants to go everywhere. So it's all this like shoving and pushing and like, you don't know really what's going on or who's around you. So we had a strategic plan. So we go, we do the whole thing, the fireworks go, we make it out through the mob. And so we go home. The next day we wake up uh, later, we go to that garlic knot place and enjoy our lunch. We meet with some other friends of mine. I, we went out to the desert, kind of the details of this part of when it actually happened, but I know we did that. And we like sang, dance, had fireworks. Then another point, we saw a movie, we saw the Phantom of the Opera, and then this comes their last day there. And so um, I had gotten off of work, got the girls, and my friend Aliyah again came with us, and we walked the strip, and they had wanted to go to the Paris Hotel to go up the Eiffel Tower. And so we get there, and it's kind of like the, the elevator ride. They pretty much do about every 30 minutes taking new groups of people. But the lady was having a hard time with the card reader. So I told Amanda, hey, why don't you pay for all of us so that way they don't have to rerun it because we're you know, just a couple of minutes from getting to the elevator ride. And she kind of looked at me, and I was like, uh, I gave her some cash that I had. And all I had in my purse was a $10 bill at the time. And so um, it, I believe it was like two for 15 is what they did, and that was the local discount. Otherwise, it would have been like 30 bucks a person. And she kind of looked at me like, you're short. <laughs> and I just, uh, I said, I smiled, and I was like, don't worry, honey. When we get home, I'll give you the $5. And she's like, okay. So we go up, do the thing, see the Bellagio water fountain show, all really pretty and magical as it can be. And so we leave there. And as we're walking to the car, we get a call from my friend Osiris. She has gone to the hospital because uh, she's started the labor process. And so we pray over her, and then we get going, and we make it to the house. And so I talk with uh, Amanda and Mariah, and I uh, kind of just make a plan for the morning because I have to get them to the airport and then be at work by 8 a.m. And for those of you who don't know me, morning is not my best subject. And for many years, and I don't drink coffee, so there's really no like uh, uh, alert for me. So it's like 10.30 is probably where I start to become human in the morning. And so we talk that all through, we have a plan, and then Amanda's like, hey, Ness, do you have my $5? And I was like, you know what, it's late, I'll get it to you in the morning, because um, once you guys are done with my room, I'll go ahead and grab it, like let's just go to sleep, do all the packing you need to do. So we go to bed, the next morning my alarm goes off, I check my phone, and there's no baby message yet. So I'm a little nervous. This is my friend. She, this is, she's the first one to have a baby in all of our group. And so I reach out to her. She lets me know, no, the baby hasn't come yet, and that she's just been having some difficulties. So I'm just a little nervous. And then before I knew it, there's a knock at my door. 
and it's Amanda, just one, making sure that I'm awake because she knows. And then um, she's like, I'm like, honey, I'm up. And she said, okay, do you have my $5? I'm like, let me get ready. Then once you girls are out of my room, I'll go in and grab that $5 for you. And okay, okay. So we do that. But then I'm just kind of focused about my poor friend Osiris thinking, you know, um, you know what you're going to do, what's going to happen, and all of that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden something starts to kind of get into my mind like, maybe I won't make it to work on time. You know, so now I'm starting to think like, okay, we got to rush, we got to rush, we got to rush. And so we get out and um, like, girls, do you have everything? And Amanda says, yes, I have everything except for that $5 you owe me. <laughs> and at that moment, something in my brain just snapped, right? I did not, I, I did not, I was not in my right mind from that moment forward. <laughs> so I said, okay. So I kind of push through and go into my room. I go into my closet. I grab this uh, container I have with all my coins. I violently pour it out on this table I have. And then I start counting. You know what? I get to $5 probably rather quickly with quarters. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> so I decide I'm going to give her smaller change. And the ugliest coins, you know, like the ones that have like grime, dirt, and gum on them, like... Yeah, she, she's not going to want this, right? And then as I'm counting that out, I'm thinking, she's not really going to take this, is she? I don't think she will. No, 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 she won't. You know what? Like, she's not even going to count it. I'm going to give her $4.99. So I do. I said, hi, honey. I go, I got your $5. Here you go. And she goes, okay. <laughs> it's like stuffing it in this messenger bag she had. And in my mind, I'm like, I can't believe she took that. You know what? I hope that when she goes through security, her bag beeps a lot because of all of that metal change in there, you know? God had mercy on them and did not grant my wish. They were able to go through security just fine. <laughs> but... Um, so then that evening, I get them there. I make it to work on time. All is well. I get home after coming back from the hospital. My friend had her baby that evening. And so I just called to make sure the girls made it home okay. And I was talking to Michelle, telling her about our weekend. And I was like, you know, I was really ridiculous this morning. And I began to tell her the story. And I'm like, I really can't believe I did that. And <laughs> she's just laughing with me. And, and you know, not thinking anything of it. So it's over. A few months later, I actually land up leaving Las Vegas and moving over here to Round Rock, Texas. And sometime during that year, I had heard the phrase, never say I withheld a penny from you. And that stuck in my mind. And it would come up, and it would come up. So on December 30th, it was a Sunday here in this exact building in that corner right over there, I came to church, and I had, do I have one? I don't know, maybe. I had a penny in my hand, and I saw Amanda, and she's being all joyful Amanda, is she? And I say, hey, honey, remember last year, like, when I gave you all that change, you know, because I owed you that money? She goes, yeah. And I was like, you know, I was short. Uh, here's a penny. And she just takes it, and she looks at it, and she starts giggling, and she's like, oh, I didn't even know. I, like, I really don't even remember. And I said, I remember. And I walked off. And am I the only one? Has anyone else been petty at a time or two in their life? <laughs> but it's like, what goes on with 
us? Like, what is going on in our brain? Because here's the most ridiculous part. If Amanda had come to me and said, Vanessa, I need $50, I would have given it to her. She would have come and said to me, I need $500. I would have said, here you go. If she would have said, I need $5,000, I would have said, we need to pray and fast and probably sell water bottles on the strip, but we'll figure out something. You know, like I would have been willing to work with her, <laughs> whatever I could do, because I love her. She's my sister. What wouldn't I do for her? And the thing is, it's like, why do we do this, especially most to the people that we love the most? Because if her friend Mariah, if it was her I owed the $5 to, I probably would have gotten that to her hand. You know, as soon as we got home, or even better, I probably would have uh, stopped at a gas station, gotten cash back, so I could actually give her a $5 bill as opposed to a bunch of quarters. And so when I think back about it, I have my justification answers like, oh, it was just too early in the morning, like I wasn't there, I was worried about my friend. Um, you know, and it was really only $5. But kind of putting this whole situation under a microscope, I saw something, and maybe you've seen this a time or two in your life, but it was pride. And it was just so easy to get there because every time she asked for $5, I heard the enemy say, is she really asking this after all you did? Then she would ask again, and then I would hear, your friend paid for her dinner and her friend's dinner, and he doesn't even know them. Then she would ask again, and I'm here, you drove to the restaurant that she wanted to, you got lost twice, and you get there, you order those magical garlic knots, and it turns out that it's not even the same owner, so those aren't the same garlic knots you remember, right? She asked again, and it's like all the places you drove, and you went to the mall, and Vanessa, you hate the mall. And my response became, yes, you're right. I did all those things. I did all those things. And is she really asking for $5? At that point, my pride had grown into a stumbling block. And the more we repeat, we rehearse, we relive, our pride grows exponentially. It's kind of like toilet paper math, right? Like one roll is really four and a half rolls, but if you have two rolls, that's really like 15. Like that's the same rate our pride grows when we rehearse, relive, and repeat. Now, let's see what God has to say about this. So let's do our second inning stretch as we stand for the word of God. So if you'll join me. And so we're going to be reading in Matthew uh, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, if my brother keeps on sinning against me, how many times do I have to forgive him? Seven times? No, not seven, answered Jesus, but 70 times seven. Because the kingdom of heaven is like this. Once there was a king who decided to check on his servants' accounts. He had just begun to do so when one of them was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. The servant did not have enough to pay his debt, so the king ordered him to be sold as a slave with his wife and his children and all that he had in order to pay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before the king. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay you everything. The king felt sorry for him, so he forgave him the debt and let him go. The man went out and met one of his fellow servants who owed him a few dollars. He grabbed him 
and started choking him. Pay back what you owe me, he said. His fellow servant fell down and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had him thrown into jail until he should pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were very upset. And when, the king and, when they, uh, and when they went to the king and told him everything, so he called the servant in. You worthless slave, I forgave you the whole amount you owed me just because you asked me. You should have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you. The king was very angry and he sent the servant to jail to be punished until he should pay back the whole amount. And Jesus concluded, that is how my father in heaven will treat every one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Matthew chapter 18, 21 through 35, the New Living Translation. You all may be seated. We hear that story and we think, obviously, the king had the right response. He forgave. The servant didn't forgive someone who owed him and was in the exact same situation. So now he has to uh, have the same punishment that he gave upon that other servant. But, and we think, why didn't this servant forgive? Why didn't he have the heart to forgive? Because he received grace, mercy, and forgiveness. But the type of forgiveness he got wasn't just a second opportunity to pay, but his entire debt was cleared. So he had the opportunity to forgive. Why didn't he? And this really bugged me. So I started to think about the servant and what it could have been going through his mind. Maybe what was the enemy whispering to him? If we think back, uh, just like in this picture where he's there on his knees begging, you know, knowing that he's going to lose everything. The king said, I'm going to sell your wife, your kids, and everything that's in your house. Like, he would have nothing, and he would probably not even be able to get any of that back. So his whole life was going to be completely different and destroyed. That's a pretty scary spot to be in, being at the mercy of somebody else and not sure if you'll ever get out of it and what's to become. And maybe the enemy said, hey, remember? Remember how you felt there? Remember how you felt scared? Ashamed? Oh, how pitiful you looked. That's enough motivation to get you not to want to repeat that same thing. And so he's probably thinking, you know what? I can't have this happen to me again. Uh, I need to make sure that I pay all my debts. Now, my thought process is he probably owed a lot of other people money too. Because I know I would probably borrow money from other people before I would go to a king to borrow money from. And as he's probably making his list of debts of who he owes and exactly what he owes, he's probably making another list of all his sources of income. And then probably sees the servant named Johnny who owes him some money. And he just becomes infuriated because Johnny stopped paying him. Maybe if Johnny didn't stop paying him, he wouldn't, have been able, he wouldn't have gotten behind on his payments. Maybe if Johnny had paid him, when, the king, when he came before the king, he could at least have offered something to the king to not look so shameful. And at that point, his pride grew, and he could no longer see Johnny as a person, only as the cause of his failures. There was no way that he could see himself in Johnny at this point. 
and it didn't take very long. That's what's scary. I tell you this imaginary backstory just because that's a trap that we can all easily fall into. We all have received grace and mercy and forgiveness, and again, the greatest of all forgiveness. But there's things that happen in our lives, and all of a sudden we are able to justify or have reasons, and even when they're silly, we still hold on to those. And it causes us to struggle to be able to give the exact same forgiveness that we received. So we're going to talk about how do we not become like the unforgiving servant. First, we have to realize that those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we have received the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness. And again, not just forgiveness, just to do better next time and hopefully we won't get caught up, but forgiveness of all of our sins, our past, our present, our future. That the creator of the universe loves you so much He chose you. He paid the highest price for you. That's real love. The second thing is, we just have to forgive. Forgive when it's easy. Forgive when it doesn't make sense. Forgive even though all your justifications tell you that you really don't have to. You know, I thought of that, just that like, when we don't forgive, we actually really become held captive. And sometimes we're aware, and sometimes we're not really aware of how captive we are held. And this image came to my mind. Uh, My dad and my uncle, they are a bunch of pranksters. And so there was this one family party that was at a restaurant. And so my dad was like being the decoy and distracting my cousin Gabriel. And so they're kind of leaning against this railing, just chit-chatting. And so my uncles come that like they're just on a slightly higher platform and they tie a balloon around his belt loop. So everywhere he goes, there's this kind of balloon that's following behind him. And so of course, in every picture that my cousin Gabriel's in, you can see this balloon in the background. And guess who was popular for taking pictures that day? My cousin Gabriel. (laughs) And so, and people started to notice and laugh and what they started to do is to tell other people. And it's, it's just like that. We are held captive, and even though it may not be directly in our face, it's always roaring around in the background. And you know what? Sometimes people have the pictures to prove it. The third thing is, knowing there's a cost to unforgiveness. The Bible tells us how we judge, we will be judged. In the parable, we see that um, the unforgiving servant couldn't forgive Johnny, so he sent him to jail. And because of that, he lost his own pardon and was now in jail. When I think about that story with Amanda and this stupid, insignificant penny, you may be thinking, how much can one cent, how much destruction can one cent cost? A lot. My first year in Texas, that was probably one of my hardest years with Amanda. And like out of my Kirkpatrick siblings, she's probably the one where I don't always have to use words with to communicate. Sometimes it's just a glance, maybe a hand on the back or a hug. And we know. We just know. And I could not get on the same wavelength as her. And it bothered me. You know, I just couldn't figure out, like, how I could communicate with her, sit down, this or that or the other. But we just were not clicking. Now, I don't know if she even remembers that. And if she doesn't, it is by the grace of God. Because the Bible says, Love covers a multitude of sins. But 
Really, was it because of the penny? Of course not. It was due to my pride and letting myself be offended. I was offended over something that I would, I kind of use it as a party story. Like, just like, oh my gosh, you guys, how funny this is, how ridiculous I was, you know. But really, at the end of the story, what I was wanting was like, oh, you know what? You're right. That really wasn't a big deal. And just kind of getting that justification. And so that way, it made sense that I could have that penny and have one over on her. Ugh. How wicked is the heart? Lord, help me. Lord, forgive me. You know, the next thing is when you're offended, you can't receive. Now, from my personal experience, and maybe because the Lord's a good jokester himself, the people you are offended by tend to be the people that the Lord wants to use to speak into your life. Um, two weeks ago, this very, very Sunday, I had a very humbling experience. Um, I had this friend, and I really wish we could have been uh, better friends, uh, but just things didn't work out. You know, it felt like, you know, I could be there, help her, but then when I needed someone in my corner, she just wasn't available. And uh, whatever, just sometimes those things happen. And she ended up moving away, and our friendship just kind of naturally ended. And, um, you know, and I would say that, like, you know, I definitely wish her well. But I can tell you there was probably a little sore spot, just like, man, I just really think that would have been a great opportunity. And um, it's probably been two years that I, I haven't spoken to her. And so two Sundays ago, I was in that row talking to someone, and all of a sudden I kind of see someone at the side in my peripheral vision. It's not her. It's her mother. And her mother doesn't uh, normally attend our church. She's probably here maybe once a year or once every other year. And so I see her. I turn, and I say hi. She says hi. And then it's kind of that awkward stare down. So then I decide, okay, be a person, Vanessa. Get up, greet her with a hug. And so I do that, and I hug her. And she hugs me back. And then she begins to tell me in my ear, she has a word for you, and here's what she wants me to tell you. And she begins telling me these things in my ear. Now, I will tell you, for me, I, when the Lord gives me a confirmation, he knows I need to at least kind of hear two times. And then I can be like, oh, sure, all right, this is what I need to do. But there are some things in my life that I would say, I need such like an obvious, like, yes, clear answer that I'm like, Jesus, you need to send John the Baptist walking over to me with his bag of fried crickets, eating, and coming and just putting his arm around me and saying, mija, and like, and then I will know. Can I tell you, that word that she had for me was one of those kinds of words. And it still took me two days to reach out to her, to be like, Hey, thanks for giving me that word. Can you tell me a little bit more? And as she began to tell me, oh, how crushed and humbled I felt. You know, and it's like, Jesus, you know me so well. Because if he would have sent her and I saw her, I probably would have found myself busy running around and doing other things where I wouldn't have really been able to give her the time. And the Lord knew I needed to hear that. So he sends her mother, <laughs> like, come on. But it was just a reminder of that, like, Lord, go through my heart. 
see what I have because I just need to clean it out because I don't want anything. I don't want anything to be a block between you and me. The last thing is we forgive because he says so. Uh, I'm going to share another parable. You find this one in Matthew 22, 1 through 10. I'm definitely going to paraphrase it. Uh, but this man is going to have a wedding for his son. And so he has a servant go out to invite all the people, the regular people, their friends and family, but none of them can make it. So then he tells his servant, here, take these, these wedding coats, go out into the street and invite anyone you can see because my house is not going to be empty for my son's wedding. So the servant goes out and he does that. The day of the wedding comes, the house is filled, the man goes and to greet his guest. And then he sees a man eating his food, not in a wedding coat. And all of a sudden, he calls for his servant, and he says, you see that man? Bind him up and throw him out. Now, you may be thinking, he just wore the wrong clothes. Like, not only did you just throw him out, but like you bound him. <laughs> like, that's going to take him a little bit to get out of there. Um, but you see, the coat was the invitation. And by putting on the coat, that's how they aligned themselves with that man and to celebrate his son. If I could get the worship team to come back up. Like, when we think about it, what does an invitation do? It tells us where to go, what time, what to expect as far as food and entertainment, who the party is for, and who is hosting. In the story, obviously, God is the Father, the Son is Jesus. The guests in the wedding coats are the ones who decided to align themselves with Christ. The man who wasn't in the wedding coat are the people who want the benefits but don't see it important to align themselves with God. I think of that wedding coat as our invitation. And what's written on it? I can tell you. Every single word in this book. And you, what you're going to find on that multiple times is the word forgiveness. So our real question becomes, will you align yourself with the creator or will you be thrown out of the party? That is a decision that we all have to make, and it's a daily decision. I'm sure many of us in this room have said the prayer, asked Jesus into our lives and into our hearts, but every day we have to choose him. And there are going to be plenty of times that we are going to miss the mark. And that's okay as long as we come to him and ask for forgiveness, ask, uh, you know, and repent. That is something he can work with. And I can personally tell you, not everything in this always makes sense to me all the time. But I still choose to align myself. And the Lord, in his own graciousness, when he doesn't have to, reveals things to me. With, for example, with the youth kids, we've been reading through the Old Testament. So we read about the Ark of the Covenant and all the pages and the details about that and who can handle it, how it has to be handled, and all these things. And we get, get to the story of David where he's trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. And... They are going down this bumpy road, and the ark is about to fall. And this guy runs to try to catch it and save it from hitting the ground because he couldn't imagine the Lord's presence touching the ground. He touches it, dead. And he's like, why, Jesus? Like he's trying to do something good. And it's just a little silly thing that just bothered me. But a month ago, Jake is up here, and I can tell you, I honestly don't really remember what he said but this. He said, God cannot be made a liar. 
He said, if God says that the sky is purple, boom, it's going to turn purple. If he says it's orange, boom, now it's orange. Because he cannot be made a liar. So if he already said, this is who can touch and handle my ark, anyone outside of that can't do that. So when that man touched it, God could not be made a liar. And it's like, okay, I get it. Thank you, Jesus. You know, But a lot of people say God works in mysterious ways, and, and I'm not doubting that God's ways are above our ways and that we don't fully comprehend, but there are some things that he's very clear about, and one of those is forgiveness. So as the worship team gets ready, this is normally the time they play the song and we pray, but... to do something a little different um the lights a little lower we can get everyone to bow their heads right now eyes closed i'm just going to ask some questions because that will help me know how to kind of take lead this next section how many of you would say you know what this has kind of been an area i've been struggling with is forgiveness or there's just something that's just been kind of holding me back if you could, just raise your hand real quick. See you, see you, see you. All right. Now, the next question I'm going to ask is, some of you may be saying, forgiveness sounds fine and dandy, but how can I give something that I haven't received? I don't really know this kind of forgiveness, of true love, of mercy, of just a debt-free life of the things that I've caused, the things that I've done. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you, I see you, I see you. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and say this prayer and I would like for all of you to join me in it. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for me. I believe he died and rose again. And I surrender my life to him. I love you, Lord. Amen. Now, for those of you who have said that prayer for the first time or have recommitted your life, right now, all of heaven has stopped and they are worshiping and applauding because you are going to join them in eternity. And this is just the first step. Choosing Jesus is a daily event. And we're here to join you in that. Um, I'm going to say one more prayer just for all of us who are struggling with unforgiveness and then we'll go ahead and worship in that song. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you for giving us your son, for paying all of our debts, Father God. Lord, thank you for showing us a forgiveness we can't fully comprehend. God, help us with those people in our lives. Lord, that have disappointed us, who have saddened us, who have hurt us. Lord, and just that, Lord, it almost just seems like they purposely come after us, God. 
Lord, we surrender them to you because they're your children. You love them, Father God. Teach us to see them how you see them. Because not only did you die for us, but you died for them. Heavenly Father, humble us. Help us with our pride, Father God. Help us just to surrender every day. Help us to shut off the enemy when we think of these people and he starts to tell us these activities and these things he, they did. Father God, we want to stop repeating, reliving, and rehearsing, Father God. We just want to start speaking your truth, your life, Lord, over the situation. And God, if we focus our attention on you, if we pay attention to the path that you called us to walk to, God, you will work everything out in your time and in your order, Father God. Help us to be patient with that, Father God. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.